Yeah. So dreams. Uh, dreams are a weird thing. I've been thinking a lot about dreams lately. I've uh, I very rarely dream, and I think you don't dream often either. And I remember being told by my father from some strange Indian book that that has something to do with our larger body types and the way our hita, our 72 conscious and dreaming nerve endings, play into that. Uh, but yeah, you had a, a strange dream recently, which is stuck with you. Um, I was at The Rock, uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson's house for a house party. Um, I don't know how I got there, but you know, just with any other dream, you're kind of planted in one place out of nowhere. And um, yeah, he was making a toast to the tens of the dozens of people that were there. And he had a very commanding presence, you know, as you would expect. Um, don't quite remember what he said, but I could, I can still remember the aura. Um, there's not really much else to it, but um, I remember. Step, yeah, we we're walking into the his gym, um, and you know, you know those those uh those uh gym the gym equipment with like the various uh, functions. All those strange kind of pulleys and wires. Yeah, and weights you have, that you clip on. Yeah, exactly. Like you have like the pulling function um, for one, and then you have the uh, pull down function and. You might have some weights in the center. You, you've seen them before mm -hmm. if, you, mm -hmm. if you've been to the local gym. But I'm a man rippling with muscles. Yeah. <laughs> and right. And uh, he. But the difference with this equipment um, was that it was it was like overarching the entire. It was it was covering the entire room. It would take up the space of the entire room almost like an umbrella so you would have the same old equipment but uh, basically the length extending weight like in, in, in a studio room the size mm. of a studio room and there were many I guess uh, departments of that umbrella like so basically, a tree of all those kind of stereotypical modern gym equipment exactly. not, not barbells and that kind of the giant, typical those. the typical gym equipment uh, that, that piece of equipment but much wider and I don't know if this is an original idea, but I guess the benefit would be that it's portable. Disassemble. It might also be very impractical. Why not just get <laughs> several separate equipments? I mean, if you have the money, if you have the money to buy separate equipments, I guess you would go about doing that. But it was just so illogical. <laughs> but at the same time, just in retrospect, it just seemed like such an innovative idea. But it's so fucking stupid. See, I want to I like ask a few things about yeah. this. <laughs> yeah. Because, first of all, you've been spending, not recently, recently, but recently you've been spending a lot of time in Polynesia. Like right. Hawaii. Right. You've been spending a lot of time with Polynesians. You grew up in Hence New Zealand, sure. which yep. is technically Melanesia, but I think the, I don't know much about the Maori, but they don't seem melanistic no. to me. Um, <clears throat> you have not been able to access any gyms. Mm -hmm. The most exercise you get is when you randomly sprint from Wasada to Shimokitazawa. Um, and you probably haven't watched any movies with The Rock in it. I'm not a fan of The Rock. That's I think he's a cool guy. Don't get me wrong. How can you just like The Rock, right? Yeah, exactly. But I'm not. I'm not. I wouldn't call myself a devoted fan. As I, I mean, I, first of all, that Jumanji movie was it was shite. 
It was trash. <laughs> I watched it on a plane. The original was so much better. Oh, absolutely. The uh, one with uh, Robin Williams and... Uh, Great inspiration. That's a classic. Yeah. But anyways, yeah, exactly. It's, uh, <coughs> it's a strange thing, but somehow you make those connections and uh, boom, you get a head movie. The reason I ask <laughs> is because I had a conversation recently with someone. We were talking about the nature of artists mm-hmm. in the modern world. And there was a quote by, I think, Toni Morrison in 1955 that was talking about the the duty of artists to remove self-pity, remove fear and no longer be silenced in times of need and it is necessary for artists to come forward and to present sort of a refined and reinterpreted image of what's going on in the world today and so I had this conversation with a friend of mine over Instagram and I put forward a quote by Kurt Vonnegut about how artists are effectively useless. There's this, this famous American writer who was talking about how artists had proved to be little more than a custard pie dropped from a six-foot stepladder during the Vietnam War. But we came to the consensus that in the end, artists do have a use in that they receive all these inputs and they refine and reinterpret and they, refi- and they boil it down into a single piece a cohesive kind of argument, an impetus, a drive for people. They speak back to reality by recomposing its elements. And to me, when you know about what dreams are, your brain kind of filtering through all the stimulus of the day, that makes a lot of sense to me. Sometimes it lags, but more or less, you would make those connections eventually. Yeah. It's a matter of whether you notice it or not. How conscious you are of your dreams. Which is tricky when you take you in the Indian philosophy. We don't remember our dreams as often, do we? No, we're unusual. And th- th- there is an Indian philosophy. I-, I couldn't tell you the name. I couldn't tell you the bodies. That says that larger, heavier people are less likely to remember their dreams. There's a lot of That's debate true. you can find about the difference between Western interpretation and Indian interpretation of dreaming. Not East Asian, Indian specifically. <coughs> Why do we remember our dreams on the same night? Is it something that the stars align, or what was with that? Maybe. I, th- there's I always a lot of argument. Where? You brought it up. It's a little bit tricky, I, because <laughs> I, I won't get into astrology. Wait, let's today. not go there, but let's go there. there, there there's always, you know, <laughs> a little bit of something that has to do with the the movement of planetary bodies. Yeah, you know, we get the term lunatic from more people were admitted into insane asylums when the moon was full. Just, there are little really? things that happen. Yeah, I mean, no that's where we get the word. Nuns came up with it in, I think, Victorian England huh. or something. So, yeah. I mean, there's not necessarily no validity to the impact of planetary bodies, but on the same night. So I couldn't tell you the movement of the moon or where Venus or Mars was. I wouldn't be surprised if there's a metaphysical element. I mean, I'm not qualified to talk about it, and I don't even explore that realm, but who knows? Like, what if it is all... Sometimes, I, I take with a grain of salt. Like, it's fun to sometimes, you know, explore these uh, gurus on YouTube and see what they have to think, and, you know, yeah. it, it's, it's fun perspective. And it, it, it does entertain thought. Yeah. So in this Indian philosophy, they have this thing they call the 72 hitas, the nerves. And some of them are conscious and some of them are dreaming. They consider dreaming to be an integral part of existence. Mm -hmm. And dreams seem to have a more 
there's more of a spiritual significance put onto dreams in the Indian philosophy. Sort of when you talk about, you know, you, when you read those little sort of curiosity books when you're in middle school or something and they talk mm -hmm. about, oh, when your teeth <laughs> fall out, you're anxious or something like that. Right. Dreaminterpretation.com or something like something that. Something like right. that, yeah. So there's a lot of dreams. There's a lot of that same philosophy, but in a more spiritual mm. Or I guess some resemblance from the subconscious. I mean, it it's makes culturally ingrained, right? But are these <coughs> are these happenings like overlapping? Like, if I mean, I'm sure you'd have what's that term? Like, you'd have some uh, cognitive bias towards it, and you start making sense of it. Is it kind of like a cult almost, or is it based on any fact, evidence at all? I don't know. That's the tricky well, thing about that. ancient cultural ideas. <coughs> Not to get orientalist about this, but <laughs> there are certain things that just don't fit into the Western-led economy and global culture that we have. You know, some things just have been for a long time, and there's not necessarily no value. There's definitely value in being open to what people have been saying for thousands of years in a certain region. You know, the idea of a divine dream, an auspicious dream, an inauspicious dream, or mixed meanings. What does it mean when my hair is cut in a dream? We spend a third of our lives sleeping. And depending on your quality of sleep, I guess dreaming. So there has to be some significance to that. I mean, there's no doubt about it. And I'm sure that, I mean, studies are still, I guess, scarce. I mean, depend, I mean, relative to what we can, what human potential is, and um, what dreams actually mean. Um, if it has any meaning, significant meaning, but um, I really wonder, like, is, is, is our can our potential be unlocked through our dreams? Um, and I, I ask this because I've noticed a surge in popularity for lucid dreaming. An interesting idea. I've never yeah. lucid dreamed. I don't want to, but I like the idea of it. It it's scares cool, me. You know, it's it <laughs> seems like one of those things that blows you away about your own mind that sort of thing that you have to work to achieve in your own consciousness which kind of plays into a lot of the stuff we talk about you need something to try bypass your subconscious I, I i i didn't really look into it but you can like kind of bypass your subconscious and make some tweaks i'm sure it's not all that easy but no, I some a, people I find it productive in high school who was really into it and every couple of minutes you would see him press his index finger, his right index finger, into his left palm. Huh. And that was his test. That was one of the, uh, that's one of those very common tests to see if you're lucid dreaming. Right. Because if you're lucid dreaming, then you can consciously put your right finger through your left palm, through, all the way through your hand, and see it. And you know that you're dreaming at that point, because when you do it when you're awake, you're thinking about trying to put it through. But it won't go through, obviously. So that's a sign that you're awake, you're just, conscious. Just to put into context um, with uh, regular dreaming, I wouldn't say I have a level of con. I am conscious of. It's like you're watching a movie that you're not taking part in. You're a third person. At the same time, do you do you sometimes notice yourself being like a like a marionette? Like you're kind of I don't know like. A, you're uh, <coughs> pulling strings, but very subtly. Like you can control the flow of your dreams. You just can't dictate every movement within the dream, if that makes any sense. And I feel like lucid dreaming is a more heightened, has a more heightened sense, is, is a more heightened uh, version of that. 
but you see, know that's interesting. I, when I think about the last couple dreams that I've had, and the one that I had recently was pretty interesting. I, it started out with me kind of very carefully trying my best to be silent. I was walking across a street over to one of those old kind of 1930s or earlier, like delivery vans. And it was all white. And I went up to the gas tank, to the gas cap, and I started stabbing it with a knife. But I was very rigid. I had that kind of stiffness, like I was doing my level best to, be beyond reasonable expectation, prevent myself from making any noise or being discovered. And I, you know, sort of out of the peripheral, I'm watching this extremely tall man with a mustache and a cap and a scarf and a long coat talking to someone else, sort of towering over them, like that uh, picture of the Rothschild fellow and the Prince of England. Um, and I, it, it, this sort of terror of him turning around and coming over, not necessarily consciously angry. See, I, I knew that he didn't know what was happening, what I was doing. But still, it was the same kind of terror that you feel when you're in elementary school and you feel like you've been doing something wrong and that you're going to get in big trouble. And it was very strange, but then the, the dream transferred to my grandmother's home, which I spent a lot of time in growing up. There's this old colonial mansion. Do you remember what happened in between, or was it just a quick sequence? It's a quick sequence. See, that's one oh, of the things about my dreams, is that it moves very quickly. So the same sort of anxiety was overwhelming, that, that sort of elementary school anxiety. Uh, which I think I've talked about previously is, is a big problem in the way I've grown up. But, so I'm, I'm in my grandmother's old home, which is this old, old Virginia house. Sort of unpolished wooden floorboards that are worn completely smooth by literally like 400 years worth of people That's walking on them. And it, it, it's a place I'm immensely comfortable in. But I consistently had nightmares about it when I was in there. It, it's, it's a very strange thing because I love that house. Even to this day. And I mean, even to this day. This is why this dream is so strange. And I remember... It's a reoccurring dream. Maybe not a reoccurring dream, but the house is always a setting in some very strange ones. It holds a specific... It, it, it has a specific, I guess, uh, place in your heart, I guess. In a sense, yeah. Because we spent I, every weekend there as a child. Uh, so... Okay. Then we're, we're crawling around. It's myself and this this man, completely white man, who I eventually kind of figure is like this 19th century French race car driver or ghost who is, yeah, a, a ghost delivery man from France, a Parisian, babbling furiously in French. And I don't know what he's speaking, but we're looking for someone or something. But eventually I'm trying to get away. So there's a little step that leads out of the kitchen and up to one of the studies. And in the dream though, there was a secret compartment that would, if I were thinking about the actual planning of the house, would have led directly into the goldfinch garden with all the foxwoods. But it was a secret sort of slide that went down. And then it's almost kind of Scooby-Doo. I'm running away from the French race car driver who again, in, in sort of the way I imagine a ghost isn't necessarily <laughs> conscious of me but I'm still frightened of him the way I would be frightened of a teacher who doesn't necessarily know what I'm doing huh. in elementary school it was that sort of like stiffening paralyzing fear that induces a complete panic in a child and 
I think I was stressed around the time. You know, I was doing a lot of club projects and I had a lot of other stuff going on my plate for school. But it was very interesting. I don't know. Because it doesn't necessarily fit into sort of the profound meaning that I, one would find in like the Indian dreaming philosophy, but it fits more into the sort of psychologically analyzed dreams <laughs> in the West. Because it makes sense, the, the input's there. At, but I mean, not all of them. I mean, not the much, French r race car driver ghost. How much can you learn about a person by listening and trying to analyze their dreams? I think it depends. I think it, it depends on how much the person knows about themselves. That dream would be confusing if I didn't remember and understand what my experiences in like elementary school and middle school did you to me. remember quite vividly. Yeah, I remember the sort of anxiety, the stress, you know, that, that feeling of being You remember how you not felt. Trusted. Yeah. It's this specific emotion that was really the, the, the callback that made it clear. Now, I can't say anything about the physical elements of it, the, the actual details, but I do know the emotion that connected those two things. It's strange how, no matter how, I mean, some dreams are more memorable than others, but for the most part, I don't remember most of my, even my most terrifying dreams. I know, I, I can remember very vaguely, but like conceptually, but obviously it's because it's still a part of me, but I don't remember vividly or the scenario or, you know, what occurred. A lot of my dreams end up being these sort of horrifying collages of information. Collages of information. I like that. Pictures and the sounds and scenarios, the, the, these epic moments and terrifying beasts and all that kind of stuff. The, the sort of things that I like to consume that give me those profound senses. Like when I listen to a song like Izimbra by the Talking Heads or Blinded by the Light, the, the cover by Manfred Mann's Earth Band. Those sort of songs that Electro electrify your body that make your hair stand up on end and give you those goose pimples. It has that same kind of energy, but with maybe a more surreal, more surreal, and also maybe oftentimes a more negative, like defeat is inevitable kind of feeling. Defeat is inevitable? Like the hero of a story, but who will not win, will not achieve their goal. It's, it's a very strange, strange feeling. Um, and a lot of those came out of high school, <clears throat> which was obviously, I think for most people, a pretty dark time, unless you're a bad person. And yeah, dreams are a strange thing. Why, have you ever considered taking notes or trying to document your dreams? You would have to do it immediately. The it's most really notes fleeting, I take, I tend to think about them, if I can remember them into waking, mm. uh, then I will usually talk to someone about them. Uh, there are probably a few conversations I've had with Michaela in our chat histories, where I'll text her and detail a dream and vice versa, she'll do the same to me. There's one I should probably ask Tomo about, I think I had a dream about Tomo a couple months ago, our friend Tomohiro, and I might have told him about it. It's worth going back to those because I don't remember them now because they're not reality. They don't seem to factor in, but they're very strange and revealing parts of our consciousness. That third of your life that you spend asleep. What if life is just dreaming before we're dead? I don't mean to put you now. I'm joking. How do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> that means nothing. It's one of those like cliche, hey. We all live in the situation, exactly. <laughs> That's yeah, a topic for thing. another day. Absolutely. Yeah. 
This has been Holdout with Romney Rose and Yuki Neal from Wasada Daigaku.